Hey guys, uh, welcome back to episode seven of Before, During and After. Uh, today I'm joined by Shanda Earl. Um, great filmmate, really appreciate you coming on. Ex-NRL player now um, who's turned his focus to business. Um, for anyone that doesn't know you, mate, can you just give a quick introduction on yourself? Yeah, uh, where do I start? <laughs> Uh, recently retired in the NRL, played for a couple of teams, bit of a journeyman, uh, had a bit of a roller coaster ride, but some awesome experiences. I ended up playing for Roosters, Panthers, Raiders, and finished with the Storm. And a uh, good way to cap off the year with the boys last year with a premiership win. And um, given the, that roller coaster ride, I spent some time away from football and got involved in business. So um, now, yeah, transitioning away from football. Got a full-time role with a new fitness franchise um, and currently I am a gym, gym owner and own a couple of online businesses. So yeah, happy that's days. me in a brief nutshell, yeah. Yeah, happy days. So um, first love was rugby league, mate. Uh, what made you get into rugby league? How old were you? You start young or? Yeah, started real young, probably four years old. Uh, mum was single mum so she was a big footy fan and uh, she was actually my first coach so yeah. sport was always something that I was really passionate about she was passionate about and played everything under the sun but uh, rugby league seemed to be my um, definitely my first love yeah okay so what um, what path took you to a professional where, where did you where did you play at as a junior and, and go through the grades yeah I think um, as I said, rugby league was always the sport that I was passionate about but I played everything um, up until about 14, 15, things start to get serious in way of there's rep teams and different opportunities. Um, so I was a Roosters junior. So basically just went through that pathway. So we're lucky in rugby league that there is a pretty solid pathway in terms of you just work your way up the ranks in your different age groups. Um, went to a sports high school, my final year of school, we had a really good team and then uh, just went into the under twenties, which was a new competition, the Toyota Cup back then. And uh, it was a really good pathway to break into first grade. If you look back in, um, I think it was 07 and 08, those first two years, a lot of players now uh, come out of that Toyota Cup and are playing first grade and, you know, are at the peak of their powers. So that sort of led me to a uh, debut at 18, 19 with the Roosters, which was, uh, you know, looking back, pretty, pretty special moment. So you made your debut with the Roosters 2009? Yeah, 2009. So Roosters weren't going too well that year. Um, Freddie Fittler was the coach, which was pretty cool because he was like my favourite player growing up. Um, so to get my debut jersey off him um, and play for the Roosters was uh, it was pretty special. So yeah, yeah, I can imagine, mate. Like you said, obviously, if you, especially if you was an idol growing up, was yeah that your proudest moment in the NRL? What was the proudest moment? Making your debut, or have you you got a few things to top it? Um. Yeah, I mean, making your debut is always the cliche, real, you know, yeah. really special one because at the end of the day, like I said, I started playing at four years old, set myself, probably didn't back then, well, maybe I did, but I set myself a dream to play one day in the NRL. So if you think about all that work that accumulated to get to that one point, like um, I often now reflect and have these conversations with people, but I think to set a dream, a once-in-a-lifetime goal like that and achieve it, I don't know how many people get that opportunity in life, you know, whether it's sport or really anything. So I think to be able to set yourself such a massive goal and it be like that one thing in life that you want to achieve and then do it, uh, it's very cool. And then obviously I've had some big setbacks in way of injuries and my suspension. And so yeah. to come back from injury, 
you know, the things that I've had to endure or overcome, most people wouldn't have done, wouldn't have had to go through in 10 careers. So yeah, some of those 100%. moments, again, I look back in reflection and I'm, and I'm really proud of, it's hard to gauge that when you're in it because you're thinking about the next goal, but um, you know, coming back from some big injuries and playing some good football and then returning after four years, then an ACL and then to get back into the NRL with the Melbourne storm, like those things um, they're not, they're not the big accolades and the, tr- and the championship trophies, those exact moments, but personally to overcome that stuff and then come back um, and ultimately get through that adversity. They're very, they're very special things. Yeah. And, and anyone going through that should be proud of. Yeah. hundred percent. I guess it's kind of making two debuts really. Do you know what I mean? You, you did it as yeah. a youngster. Um, yeah. You had a few setbacks, a few injuries, obviously the ban as well. And, and, and then you ended up with the Melbourne storm. Um, before you enter the storm, obviously you left the Roosters, uh, Raiders, you went Panthers and then Raiders, yeah? Yeah. Um, played your best foot here, the Raiders, would you say? Yeah, I think so, definitely. And, you know, that was a weird one because um, after playing for the Roosters, didn't, didn't get a contract. I got into a little bit of drama. Ultimately, it wasn't my fault, but it sort of just didn't put me in a good position. Did the preseason by myself, rocked up, and Freddie... Uh, teed me on to the head coach at the time, Matty Elliott, and and like got me a start in the reserve grade. So you know I was traveling out to Penrith, and it was it was a complete lifestyle change, and just set myself a goal to try and make it in that NRL team, and started from the scraps there, literally at the bottom of the pile, and then worked my way into a contract, and then midway through that year debuted, and we had an awesome run. I played some great footy, but I was faced with the fact that I had to get a double shoulder reconstruction. So crazy the the ups followed by the downs, but luckily those downs uh, as big as they were followed by the ups. So got a chance to go mid season transfer to Canberra linked up with them, showed me some faith, which is probably what you need at a time like that. Um, Someone just saying they've got that belief in you linked up with Fergie Ferg, Blake Ferguson. And we just went on a run. We scored like 30 tries in 15 games and I was just having the time of my life. So I'll just remember those moments where, First grade felt like park footy when you're a kid. Yeah, yeah. Um, so obviously going to the Raiders, mate. We'll just touch on it quickly. Um, there's a lot of other things I'd I'd like to talk to you about, but um, at the end of the season with the Raiders, that's where your four year ban came in. Yeah, yeah. Well, just just touch on that briefly, if you don't mind, mate. How it all came yeah, about and. Um. So. Basically, when I went through that shoulder injury, Stephen Dank, who, you know, notoriously was involved in the peptide scandals with different clubs, um, he was working at the club and basically his services were offered to me uh, after around doing some other things. And these were already practices he were doing at other clubs. So there was a level of credibility and understanding, you know, maybe in hindsight, it was wasn't typically above board but it also wasn't a banned substance so with all the checks and the understanding and the knowledge that he was already doing this with other clubs i would never never really look back and felt uncomfortable about the situation i was going to a doctor the club was paying for it so you know and if anything was ever going to happen you know surely something would have come up in a test or when i checked with the asada website or whatever so two years later when i was sitting in my room and the news came on and it's like darkest day in Australian sport. And I see his face. I'm just like, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell? And then, um, mate, it was just chaos from there. Obviously, I knew that I was going to be involved in some capacity, but had to try and manage the fact that 
I didn't, without all the understanding of what was going on, like, surely this can't be me. Like, I haven't done anything wrong. This all came about in text messages, you know what I mean? And then by the end of the year, sort of had to go through the, um, the, the proper channels and ended up just having to, you know, basically cooperate or whatever you want to call it. But it was a really shitty situation, to be honest, you know, something that, oh, something that I definitely don't hold any angst towards, but it's a bitter pill to swallow the old four year ban in, yeah, in relation to trafficking, which, you know, just yeah, does make, which makes it sound like, so much worse. But like you said, you didn't yeah. ever think you were doing anything wrong. And, and yeah, I don't think many nah, people did, like you know? but um, yeah. yeah, it's just, just an unfortunate situation. But again, it shaped me to who I am today. It set me up for everything else in life. So it's a double-edged sword, that one. It'll be, it's a great hell of a story, but um, yeah. yeah, who knows? It would be interesting to see what, what could have been, but at the same time, geez, I experienced so much, so much life and um, I grew so much as a person. So you take the good with the bad. A hundred percent, mate. And, and this is what, I, obviously, I'm really interested in the story and I'm sure a fair few of the listeners were. Um in your four years, obviously, you you headed over to Bali. Uh, Bali? I went it? to Thailand. Oh, Thailand, Thailand. sorry. Thailand, yeah. So um, what happened over there? This is the four, four years. How long were you over there for? Yeah, so I was over there for about three years. I went, I'd went. i been over there previously. It's a bit of a training holiday destination. Um, to give to give some context, they got a place called Tiger Muay Thai. All the top UFC fighters train there. It's just this area like a long street with like healthy cafes, gyms, um, MMA gyms, whatever. Um, I went there and it was really cool. It was just like chilled. You're five minutes away from the beach. It's always hot, good people, all like-minded. You go and train. So I was like, I'm getting out of here. It was, I was obviously copying it heavy in the media. Yeah. So I was like, I'm out of here. Went and then um, always had these ideas. I was always outward thinking about things, opportunities off the field or, uh, making the most leveraging off my position while playing football, you know, whether it be the influence and engagement you can receive. Um, so I always had that business minded, like entrepreneurial mindset. And then a spot opened up outside my hotel and someone else was living there. And I basically said to them, like, I've got this idea for a healthy food cafe. We should have a, have a crack. And obviously it's a lot easier to open a business there yeah. than it is in Australia. I bet. Uh, and before you knew it, opened a cafe. Um, I was working in there, you know, all day, every day and it was killing it. And then that rolled on to, um, we opened a gym, two gyms actually sold those and then a cafe on the way out and um, ended up getting deeply involved in business, had some really good success. And in between that, I, you know, lived five minutes from the beach, rode a scooter and traveled the world. So yeah. it was good. I made the most of my time. I was going to say, you definitely made the most of the, those four years. And that's obviously where you found your passion for business. Um, yeah, you headed sure. back. Um, still had a bit of footy left in you. Firstly, before we touch on the on the business side of things, you st- ended up signing for the Storm one year contract. Uh, yes, yeah, one year contract. Obviously, I uh, wanted to put myself in a position where um, I could showcase. Uh, you know, what I personally believe, play some good footy and then set myself up for another contract. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was a funny situation. You know, I only wanted to play for the Melbourne Storm. That's all I had my, my head fixed on. It wasn't as if someone reached out to me. I just, I thought if I'm ever going to see how good I can be, like I want to, I want to see what goes on there. I want to be a part of that culture. Like everyone would say that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, basically 
put sold all those things that I was doing in uh, overseas, opened it like bought a gym an F forty five in uh, Melbourne. Uh, Same one you got now. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So found space. That all happened pretty quick. Like I just had everything channeled into Melbourne, and then when the time was right. Um, rather than getting my manager to reach out, I uh, sent Bellyache a letter, Craig Bellamy, and yeah. Um, yeah, just thought he's old school. I'll just tell him exactly who I am, exactly what happened, and what I think I can bring to the club. And um, you know, to this day, I'm super grateful. He met up with me a couple of days later and said, "Mate, I'm in. I've spoken to the powers that be. Let's do it." And it was, I was shocked. Oh, I was like, "That's awesome, man!" Yeah, so it was crazy. And then. You know that set me up again. That 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 moment of faith and belief uh, set up a whole heap of hard work and um, led me to starting with them at the end of um, 2017. You touched on it there that you wanted to go there simply because of the culture. Just what what's a day look like in Melbourne Storm? It probably changes a bit, but just a couple yeah. of the beliefs and and what they what they drill into you there. Yeah, I mean it's tough. It's 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 relentless, but at the same time. Melbourne, they go above and beyond. So they give you every opportunity to be as good as you can, whether that comes down, you know, it can be, so it's, it's, you work bottom up, comes down to little things like at the storm, this might be normal for other clubs, but not for all at the storm. They, they wash all your gear. They, the coaches are constantly, constantly reviewing and going through revisions with video, working with you one-on-one, um, you know, all food, everything set up, like the training, training, the level of training and um, performance opportunities and care is just above and beyond. So it just, what it does is it dictates accountability. So it sets you up that you then, now they've given you every opportunity to perform, you then need to match that with effort. And yeah. uh, it's very They put it simple. back on you. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's a very simple game plan at the Storm. The culture is effort, working hard and you know know your role honor your role and they make it very clear very very easy everyone's got a clear simple role to play and that's something that just doesn't happen in other clubs you know really you go in there just trying to be your best trying to make the big play and at the storm it's just about you playing your role and executing that and giving your best effort so when you couple all that up with a pretty ruthless training schedule there's never one training session that's like oh my god the hardest thing i've ever done it's just like every day relentless so that sort of um that sums it up a little bit, yeah. Yeah. So you ended up signing another year after an injury at the Storm. So this took you yeah. into your last year. Yeah. Well, I trained. I trained my ass off to prepare and get back for that preseason like crazy. Like I was working, taking every class at the gym, training twice a day. Like I come back, I'll never match that shape. I came back to preseason. I was like biggest, strongest, fastest I've ever been, fittest. And uh, three weeks in after training the house down, I tore my ACL at training. So <laughs> someone's got a voodoo doll in me or yeah, something. Mate. But uh, as cruel as it was, yeah, that's another credit like um, to Craig Bellamy, just a show of character. Um, probably two hours later, he called me up and he said, I don't know, you're hurting. Obviously, I was crying. But um, he just said, if you want to do this, give this another crack. Um, you don't have to worry. Oh, we'll, we'll have a contract for you. So to hear that, mate. It's just, it's so two hours after you've been injured, uh, obviously yeah. you'd be at your lowest of lows there. You just work your ass off at four years out. He's give you a call and, and said, if you want to go again, there's another yeah. year contract for you. Yeah, so pretty crazy. I mean, it didn't doesn't fully take the sting away, but like, no, 100%. That, yeah, crazy. well, it's just that belief, I guess. The belief he's obviously got in you would be, um, yeah, like you said, it doesn't take the sting away, but it'd make it a little bit easier. 
Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, again, show a character, like, he's a great man. Yeah, like you said there, mate, everyone bought in. Um, they put the effort in and you came away with winning the comp in your last year. Um, full squad effort. Um, yeah, how, how, was, how was that, being involved in that, in that grand final, the build-up, uh, and what was it like? Yeah, it was awesome, mate. It was something that I'll uh, never forget. It was great to be a part of. Uh, it was a very unique year, given it was COVID, and we all lived together in a bubble in Queensland in the hotel. We got very close. I think it played a massive factor in us winning the competition. We were just everyone was just laser focused on on winning. There was no, it wasn't the hype of the grand final, the fan day. Barely anyone could come, so that just you know that the the normal stuff that could be an interference just wasn't there. It was just clinical and. Um, like you said, it had its own challenges. You know, there was no, there was no secondary competition, very hard to break in, very hard to showcase yourself or improve. Um, so it was a challenging year, switching your focus from your own personal goals and, um, progression to just making sure that, as you said, it was a full, full squad, uh, mentality and, you know, focusing your attention to, training as good as you can, preparing the boys who are playing on the weekend as best as you can. So that comes with its challenges. You know, it's not, not an ego thing, but at the end of the day, you know, no one, no one wants to be doing that. So, yeah. um, but at the same time, it wasn't, it wasn't too challenging for me. That, that sort of stuff is something that I enjoy and the leadership around that. So, mate, at the end of the day, when we were all together celebrating that moment, it was, um, it was unreal. And so was the, uh, so it was the party after it. Yeah, how was Byron? Yeah, mate, it was bloody loose. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna a, a couple of a, a couple of the boys were up there and run into a couple of oh, really? a couple of you boys. So they said, yeah, they said uh, it looked like you're on a good time. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess then, mate. Yeah, obviously, um, this the you decided to hang up the boots this year of, of coming off that season. Um, I'm assuming why it is simply because of business. Um, that's the main goal for you now, turning your focus to business. Yeah. yeah, that's the main goal. Like it's never easy to rip the bandaid. Um, you know, after the, after I did that, I got in. You know, got in and did that boxing fight. So it's not as if, like, it's very hard to turn a turn a blind eye to the the professional side and the athletic side and like training and competing is bred into me you know it's what yeah. i want to do but at the same time you do get a couple of those attributes from business and there's just some big ticket stuff that i want to chase some life-changing aspirations that i want to go after and um that's sort of the journey i'm on so it's not easy it's bloody hard work different it's not physical it's it's very different but i'm loving it there's a pretty clear pathway with what i want to try and do over the next five years so um yeah that's that was the catalyst and um I'm, I'm i'm happy with my decision it's nice to have a purpose and a drive and look if i can set myself up and for the second time in my life set such a grand goal and a once in a lifetime dream and achieve it geez it'll be cool to look back on yeah so you've got obviously a couple of businesses um vintage mode f45 um your podcast now filled by fire and as you're sitting in your new office, uh, Four Point Collectibles. Is, it, is there any a, a priority on any, mate, or are you you're running all ships the same? Um, so there is a priority. I mean, Four Point's a funny one. It was, it was, it was bred out of COVID when we all lived together. So, so who's involved always, in that? 
So Kenny Bromwich, Jerome Hughes, Ryan Pappenhausen and myself. Yep. Uh, but we built such a, it's a cool brand and we all know that we want to continue to expand it and utilize it. Uh, we've got some good ideas, but again, four guys are involved who it's their, it's their side hustle. It's not their full-time job. So we, it's slowed down our progression, but ultimately it's built around the community, the engagement um, and just doing cool shit. So we just want to make sure that we keep building that brand. It's profitable, but um, we want to, we want to make it, something something really cool that we can um build on and we'll we'll do that vintage mode's a, a really good one it's a pretty pretty cruisy business model but uh kills it so i'm stoked about that and that that e-commerce platform stuff that i'm really interested in and i love being creative with the content and marketing um and f45 it's it's been a hell of a journey i'm probably probably looking to exit from f45 and um you know get involved with a new fitness franchise, which is um, ultimately probably going to be that big ticket dream that I uh, yeah. sort of go after. So yeah, that's pretty cool. And Fuel by Fire, man, as you know, podcasting so cool. I want to rebrand the podcast. Um, I'm going to re- do a little rebrand and relaunch, calling it I Am The Fire. So just moving away from what was really cool, which was speaking to athletes on their stories of adversity that ultimately led to their success and just speaking to anyone that really I'm interested in that's got a cool story in business world, in sports, yeah. in uh, anything, you know? So uh, just opening it, opening up the platform there to be a little bit more diverse. Yeah. hundred percent. And like you said, I, I obviously my ideal person, somebody like yourself has gone into sport, but it's got that business end, but I, I, I feel like I'll probably end up going down the same route as well. Um, obviously I listen to a fair bit of Isaac John and he gets a bit of everybody on there as well. And, and you obviously want to talk to people that you're going to learn stuff from as well, you know? Exactly. So, yeah, happy days. Um, so the vintage mode, is it, um, is it all like print-on-demand e-commerce or do you have stuff yeah. dropping straight away? Or Yeah, it's ba- well, it's a bit of both, to be honest. It's a bit of a hybrid, but um, yeah, it's a very low-risk model. Uh, and the best thing about it is we've built up such an awesome community there as well. And we've got some big ideas some stuff that we want to do again, just such a cool brand. And yeah. I just love, like, we just love building the content, but like, this is a great example. You know, Pappy scored four tries the other day Bam. and I just thought, like it, I come up with this little idea about, you know, ripping off the four and 20 pies and just dropped it. And, you know, people loved it. So the thing, uh, thing with us is we can be super on trend and just bang. Where yeah, exactly. In and out. Yeah. Where the graphic you see and then get the shirt. I think I would like to transition. I, I love my fashion. So I'd like to build vintage mode into like an online retail platform as well as have the um, drop model aligned. So yeah. I'd like to transition into working with that. Um, we're just currently working on some, designs and tech packs with manufacturers to build out, um, you know, my ultimate uh, vintage style shirt and then, you know, whatever, some hoodies and different things. So uh, we're doing that, but yeah, it goes really well. It's really good fun. My business partner, Phil, Phantom Creative, he's a weapon. He just keeps getting better and better. So young designer that's- um, Yeah, I followed him this morning, actually. Yeah, Yeah, he's got some pretty pretty cool stuff. Yeah. Um, Mate, I guess you've hit the nail on the head there. When you- a lot of people, when they start clothing brands and stuff, they think, oh, he's an ex-NRL player. You can just chuck a chuck a T-shirt on and it's going to sell. Um, it might work once or twice, but that's simply you know, the story in the end. Is it? What, what would you say makes a successful business? Um, 
it, clothing line or I guess everything really, the F45, it all comes back down to that one thing, which is community. Yeah, definitely. I mean, engagement is massive. Um, so I think, I think if you can couple like genuinely giving a shit about your customers, um, engaging with them and then couple that with a story, like ultimately you got to have, you got to have the backbone of any business. So for example, what you're saying, like if someone was to come out and just drop a shirt and call it whatever, and it's a basic logo and they're not really doing much content, it's just them there wearing the shirt. It's like, how, what's the, what's the running time on something like that? But constantly, constantly having really cool content across all different platforms that speaks to different demographics that has a story underpinning it. Um, that's cool. That's coupled with engagement and good customer service and building a genuine community, listening to them, um, providing great stuff for them. Like if you can bring all that together, I, I don't know, this might be silly, but I feel like after going through this stuff and with that e-commerce model, not that I'm a guru at it, but you know, I feel like I could sell office chairs if I wanted to, if you can just build it the right way, yeah, 100%. The right way, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's hundred percent. I think yeah, you just build, build, give, 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 and then sell the product at the end. And like, if it, yeah, you could sell fucking goldfish if you wanted, you know. Um, yeah, exactly. You've got to yeah. Add value. That's key. Yeah, exactly. So um, obviously that's vintage mode. F forty five. You're looking to get out of. Um, I'm I'm assuming you don't want to get into the bigger picture too much there. But you said you got some big, big goals in the fitness industry and four point collectibles. You're just into the new studio, eh? Yeah, that's it, man. We just um, got a new office. We're calling it a HQ. So it's a hangout slash office slash mail room slash studio. So our studio room is really cool. That's going to house our um, our live streams for the card breaks. That's going to house. Our, we're launching a um, weekly show called The Clubhouse. Yep. That's going to be the boys sitting around talking about anything from entertainment, sports. There'll be a bit of cards in there. And just something that can be a really good um, entertainment platform or point of engagement that we can leverage off. Um, like ideally, from a, putting my business hat on, we want to try and ge generate some revenue um, from both advertising and sponsorship. And that's going to be a really good platform. It's going to be really cool for people and um, super interactive. But again, um, from a business standpoint, uh, setting up a proposal off the back of the influence of who's involved. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's really not too difficult and really super appealing to a lot of brands and companies because the demographic we're sitting in, uh, leveraging off both sport, sports cards, collectibles, memorabilia, um, rugby league. It's a, it's a very, it's a wide net. So, um, I think yeah. if we can, nail that revenue stream, have some fun alongside with it, um, use the brand to do some really cool stuff. We want to try and blow up the NRL space a little bit more in cards. So um, yeah, that's what we want to do. And then we'll launch our, we'll launch the podcast out of here as well, which would be nice to have a space and we've set up something pretty cool. So it's, yeah. that's your, I am fire one. Yeah, I am the fire. So the fire. I'll run that out of there. Um, that'll be good. I'm, I'm desperate to get back into that. Like I'm so busy. It's stupid but I'm desperate to get back into it. Like I just, I really enjoy it. I enjoy, we really need to bring on someone full time. That's just purely content, you know, filming, editing all, all platforms. So um, that'll be, that's, that's a big piece of the puzzle. We had a little, 
two-hour powwow. Me and the boys the other day, we have got whiteboards everywhere in this place. But yeah. um, so we've got some, we got some things we need to achieve. We just got to set some timelines and get it done. Yeah, no, mate. It seems like you've got it all under control. Um, like I said, I'm I pretty much covered everything I wanted to talk about there. Um, yeah, a pretty good before and after, mate. Um, massive takeaway from me is yeah, whatever gets thrown at you, um, yeah, always see the positive in it. Um, and hopefully a couple of younger fellas that are go through the similar thing will listen to this and, and remember that as well. Um, so yeah, thanks again for coming on, mate. I'm very grateful. Um, all the best with the business and um yeah, hopefully we'll cross paths again soon. No worries, my man. It was a pleasure. Hey guys, um, if you're still listening, big thanks. I hope you enjoyed. This podcast is brought to you by Goosey Sports for all of your team wear needs. Um, please like, share, and spread the word about this podcast so we can keep it going and keep growing. Thanks again. Bye.